0: Monday, April seventh. Welcome to Market Flory. I'm Crystal. Joining me in studio today from Pool dot com, Taylor McRae, and from Apple One, Jason Moser. Happy Monday, gents. Yes, sir. A rainy Monday. Rainy Monday in Alexandria, but it's not snow, so nope. that's no. fine. Take I was it.
1: telling my kid. They, my kids have to go in today to make up a day of school from the snow. Mm-hmm. They were supposed to have like a teacher work there or something like this. Yeah. I mean, it was a beautiful weekend here. It was gorgeous. And so then I, I, I was, I was you know, justifying, I was rationalizing it to them this morning. At, at least it's really bad weather. You know, you're know, stuck in school in a ring. <laughs> yeah. You day. don't mind being indoors at this right. point. Right. I was like, it could be worse.
0: We are going to dip into the full mailbag, but we're going to start with the battle for the living room, which frankly has never looked more muddled in my opinion, but feel free to disagree. A lot going on in the world of television. We've got... Yahoo! pushing into original programming, we have the Amazon Fire TV, which we touched on a little bit last week, but Jason's going to give us a first-hand review yeah, of it. Yeah, I'm pretty interested to hear. And Game of Thrones fans are, some of them anyway, are probably <laughs> seething today because the big season four premiere was last night. And I I don't watch Game of Thrones, but it sounds like if you were watching it on your cable system, everything was great, and if yeah. you tried to watch it on the HBO Go app, it just got overloaded and people were getting fatal error messages over and over so we will dig into all of that but let's start with the the review of the Amazon Fire TV you plunked down some money you got I did. It, you got it delivered yeah your wife rightly
1: so scoffed at you she did and how does it work my kids love me i mean you know they thought it was great <laughs> that we got one more device in the house they like those things um so yeah, I mean this this was truly a selfless act. Market research. I was doing this for the people, Chris. It's all for um, the kids. It, it really is because you know it, it 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 is a great time to be alive. And so I, I think it's funny how we hear people gripe about this and that. This device doesn't do this, and that device doesn't do that. But you yeah, know, I remember growing back. You know, growing up when it was just three channels and no remote control. So I've dated myself, but so be it. Uh, I think that Fire TV is a great little device. I mean, um, there were more pros than cons. You know, as far as I'm concerned, let's talk about some of the pros. I mean, I think the first thing that stood out to me was the voice search. I think the voice search is a that's a true differentiator. It's not something I've seen anywhere else. And and to be clear, I mean, in my house we have a you know we've been using an Apple TV for a long time. We have a Roku device. Uh, We have Verizon FiOS. I have absolutely no desire to cut the cord. I love the cord, Um, but I think these streaming devices certainly um, you know add sort of a complementary layer. Uh, to to your in-home entertainment. So for me, the voice voice search was, was a big differentiator. I tested that out ad nauseum, and the only one that failed... Was when I said Zach Galifianakis, it just <laughs> couldn't figure that one out, and so it's rightful. I get it. I mean, I'm not even sure what the hell I said, so I can understand why it didn't understand me. Um, yeah, I. It, and they're playing that up in their TV commercials. Mm-hmm. The voice search, yeah, and, and I mean, it really is. It really is a big difference because I mean, you can search for titles, actors, actors, whatever it may be. Um, it's way better than having to go through and do that little doop one letter at a time thing. Uh, and so they did they did a good job with that. It's it's a little thing that's, you know, in the remote control and you can just go to town with it. Um I have the game control on the way. It was back ordered. I'm not a big gamer. I'm a casual gamer at, at the very most. Um, you know, just like my daughters, but I thought, "Hey, if we're going to have this thing, let's go let's do the full Monty here and, and have a you know, a great understanding of what it can do. So, I mean, a lot of lot of neat little apps there. Um, I think that it's done a great job of sort of separating out the Prime content versus the content that you might pay for. And it also has a good little uh, capability there. If you look for a title, there is a box down there that you can check that will show you other ways to watch it. So, a good example was, um, you know, I searched for The Americans, a show that, that we've enjoyed watching. Yeah. And it, that's, that's something that, that Amazon has gotten for Prime exclusively. So so I guess you can't find it on Netflix, but if you go to the Americans, you know you could see that you could either pay for it or boom, it's on Amazon Prime or whatever. Uh, uh, I think that uh, the one the one that I tested this out was though for Cosmos, a Space Time Odyssey. Uh, when I entered that, you know, it said I could buy it from Amazon. If I look at the little thing, other ways to watch then it shows me that I can also watch it on Hulu. And we, we have Hulu, and so I knew I could uh, watch it for free, essentially, on Hulu, because we pay for that monthly subscription. Um, the one thing, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have HBO Go on it. For me, that's not really a deal breaker, because most of the HBO Go I watch is on my iPad. Other than that, I watch HBO usually in real time on TV. Um, and, and, you know, I feel like... Yeah, you could sit there and say, "Well, it's it's more expensive than the Google Chromecast." I mean, ninety nine dollars is still cheap for something like this. I mean, it's it's ninety nine bucks. It's not like it's going to break your bank. But it's it's a good little device. And, and for my money, when I compare it to the Roku and the Apple TV, the Kindle Fire is a better device than than the other two. Uh, with the caveat that those who are not established with an Amazon sort of relationship yet, they may not see that same value. Uh, but by the same token, it may encourage you to to develop a more of a relationship with Amazon.
0: Yeah, Taylor, I did an interview earlier this morning, and one of the things I said on this topic was, I feel like it's going to be a couple of years before we can sort out the winners on this because everyone's rushing into this space. It's and the lines are getting blurred. It's not just oh, cable providers and content providers. When you know, um, when you have all of these multiple bets being placed. And it really does seem like not only – it's great for consumers because we have all this choice both Mm -hmm. in terms of programming but in terms of when we watch, how we consume it, on what device, that sort of thing. But it really seems increasingly like there's an opportunity here for the company that can simplify this in the way that Apple's first iPod made MP3 players – very simple and intuitive, and you could make the point that the iPhone, the first iPhone, did the same thing. I think that whatever device they 've got coming later this year, which Tim Cook has promised and many people believe is going to be in the television space, if they can make it really streamlined and simple, then someone like me, who is not a first mover mm-hmm. when it comes to technology, is more likely going to take the plunge on that
2: that's that appears to be the case you follow the same line with TVs themselves um, you know you had Flat panel came out, then HD, then 3D, which never took on. Now you're talking about 4K and curved panels. So I think the the streaming business is going down the same path. Um, Apple TV and Amazon Fire and Roku can all stream things, but simplification is the key. Who knows? TVs might offer this. Uh, you can already watch Netflix and Pandora and things like that on certain TVs. So I think that this is just going to become a product that A lot of people offer, and you just choose whichever fits into your lifestyle more. A lot of people use Apple TV because they have Mac products, so they can stream their iTunes directly to that. Uh, Jason talked about Amazon. I'm an Amazon Prime member, so I'm leaning more towards the Amazon Fire if I do go this route, because um, the Apple TV does not interact with Amazon Prime. One day, it probably will. Just like I imagine, one day, uh, probably pretty soon, HBO Go will be available on Amazon Fire Um, So, I think that these products are just going to become the choice of the user, and then it's just going to become a price battle, because at some point, most technologies do become cheap, and you've seen TVs and smartphones and PCs go this route. So, I assume in a year or two, these streaming devices, unless there's somebody that just comes out and completely um, drops a bomb and and makes something that you just can't live without, um, I see all these devices as kind of just um, a user choice, depending on how it fits into your own lifestyle, because they all offer Netflix. They all offer um, their own streaming, Amazon Prime or iTunes, and, and Google Chromecast. You can do Google Play. Uh, so they all offer their own unique things, but I think it's a lifestyle choice um, for, for what you're looking for.
1: Yeah, and I, th- I think the biggest challenge for any of these devices, and, and uh, Taylor, he keyed in on something. I mean, there can be more and more smart TVs that are coming out that just bypass the device altogether. All but I think the biggest challenge there is just to, to give you something that doesn't force you to commit. Really, mm-hmm. to any one ecosystem, and I mean we've done a decent job of getting to that point so far. I mean, uh, you know, my wife and I, for example, we have iPhones, we have iPads, we have Kindle e readers. Our girls have Kindle Fires. We keep all of our videos and pictures uh, on the Amazon cloud. Uh, you know, that was another really neat thing about the Fire TV is that you know you you can access all of your photographs and home videos right there, just like you're pulling. Um, regular content, so I, we're sitting there, you know, reminiscing, looking at videos <laughs> of the girls when they were little babies, and, I mean, that was really cool, too. So, it's done a good job of sort of giving us, a, you know, n- not making you completely commit to just one platform, because, you know, you can subscribe to any streaming service that you want, um, and, and I think that that's, you know, that's where the Apple TV was was really, I think, falling behind, was you just didn't have very many options, other than, like, your Netflix and Hulu, Um but, you know, I mean, yeah, it's, it's going to be something that, that all of these, we're going to see more iterations of this, it's going to get better and better, and as consumers, we're big winners, and, and, you know, even as investors, whether you own Amazon, Google, or Apple, I mean, I've always been a big proponent of owning all three, uh, you know, investors will, will, you know, ultimately win from it as well.
2: Well, I think a lot of this, uh, Amazon isn't really banking on this being a game changer. So, um, at least not from a revenue cycle, maybe if they continue to improve and they become the one, then, then yeah, it could really um, add to that top and bottom line. But right now, I think a lot of these companies are just using these as trials to see what, what will and will not work and then, and then start separating from the pack.
0: Just quickly before we get to the mailbag, I don't see Time Warner, and some have made this case, for Time Warner spinning out. HBO. Mm -hmm. Because when you look at the content that is created, yes, AMC has hits, FX has hits, but it really does seem like from a quality standpoint, and from a quantity standpoint, HBO has more hits in the pipeline, whether it's Game of Thrones season four, Veep season three, which premiered last night, or even this new series, Silicon Alley, which looks pretty promising Mm -hmm. as well. And I just don't think it makes any kind of sense to do that because i feel like it it's going to have more it's going to be more meaningful for the company to just keep that stuff in house just by the way but for the same reason that netflix yes a great hit with house of cards but if they get a few more hits in
1: the pipeline, I don't see Netflix spinning off their content generation. I think either. it's great leverage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I think HBO, like that's the thing. I mean, it, you know, Netflix is working on that original content to build out that kind of library that HBO already has, and I mean, you can see it in the difference in the operating margins. I mean, you see HBO is just phenomenally profitable uh, part of the business. I can't fathom why uh, Time Warner would want to spin that off. Uh, it just to me, would would not make any sense at all.
0: You can always email us. Radio at fool.com is our email address. Got a, a very just a wonderful email from Zach Foreman in Alexandria, Virginia. Wonderful because there are some really good questions buried in this. Let me start with uh, just what he writes at the top. I spent some time hanging out at Cozy, the poor man's Panera. I know you guys <laughs> love Panera, and I wonder what you think about buying Cozy stock, which is looking mighty cheap these days. They just got a new CEO. Is this a good time? To scoop up shares, or is it a value trap? Just specific to that, uh, Jason. I know you look at Panera
1: closely. Have you looked at Cozy? Yeah, so I took a look at it, um, and and I feel feel like you know the one thing I would say before going too far into this is that saying that Cozy stock looks cheap, um, it it does. Yeah, on an absolute basis, at at a you know buck and a quarter a share. But I mean, you know, it, it actually—it's cheap for a right, reason. Right? It's cheap for a reason. I mean, it's on an absolute basis, it's cheap. But, but it's really—it's—it's it's not to me. It doesn't—it doesn't have a lot of the qualities that I, that I look for in an investment, and, and particularly with restaurant stocks. I mean, I think you have to be a little bit more uh, discriminating there because uh, Panera. Yeah, we we do talk about it a lot. There are a lot of things that we like about it. Um, I I personally have. They've had some reservations with Panera lately because of uh, just you know the throughput issues and just this this huge convoluted menu that seems like it's really difficult to manage. Now, I've never personally eaten at a Cozy, but what I've heard um, is that it, it's a muddled in-store experience. And and for those that don't know, Cozy
0: probably best known for their sandwich. They make sandwiches and salads. Mm-hmm. For a while, they were trying to be. Uh, uh, everything for everyone kind of place because they were a coffee bar in the morning, sandwiches, salads at lunchtime and in the evening. And then, I don't know if this is still the case, but for a while they were doing what Starbucks is starting to do, which is they they were a full-on bar in the evening, not just beer and wine, but cocktails as well.
2: I haven't seen that. Uh, I do know that yeah, breakfast and lunch and dinner. I have eaten there. Uh, they tried the flatbreads and the the, the fake oven, uh, wood-fired <laughs> oven. It's it's not actually wood-fired, but it's built to look like it. Um, tasty options, I think Panera is better. But, yeah, it's, it's it hasn't made any in- income in the last five or six years, and even more so, no no cash from operations since 2008. So, it's not reinvesting in the business. Panera is, and they're expanding. So, um I would be worried. I wouldn't look at it as a poor man's uh, as a poor man's panera. I I just wouldn't even invest in it, new CEO or not. Uh, Which gets to Zach's next question, which was uh, he said "It, it also
0: brings up the wider question of whether to invest in the poor man's X in a growing market. For example, BJ's wholesaler is the poor man's Costco, although currently private shareholders made a lot of money when it was listed. And he goes on to make a point. Look, there's a bigger upside for some of these poor man's. Stocks, of course. There's also a bigger risk associated with it. What about that idea? The looking to invest in the
1: poor man's version in an industry? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely opportunity there. It just depends on the company, um, and it, it depends on the market, and, and and you have to to understand if there is actually a catalyst uh, that that would would take the stock. forward. I mean, in Kosi, for example, I mean, you look at their sales going from 2008 up to today. I mean, sales are actually Falling, and so I mean mm-hmm. they're down about eight percent um, um annualized, which is obviously not good. And, and then they just have essentially a handful of restaurants compared to something like a Panera. So I, I think you could probably even find other poor man uh, sort of sort of alternatives to something like like a Panera. But I mean I, I think that is a good point there in in that finding those those sort of quote unquote poor man versions because they're often overlooked, right? I mean people you know are always talking about what what's making the headlines and sort of maybe Starbucks is a good example of. Of a company that you know—that's a coffee company out there that's just you know always done very well—and it's the one everybody knows—and that's sort of the rich man's coffee company. But but then you look at other other you know concepts out there, whether it's Caribou Coffee or Pete's or whatever. Now those those have been subsequently uh, swiped up, but I mean they, they were purchased for a reason, right? Um, so I mean you know the, the the investment firms that bought them, the companies that bought them saw opportunities there. So really and we it, could see them back in the public market. Yeah, exactly. That's just a very good point there. And so I, I think really it's first and foremost understanding that uh it, it certainly depends on the market, but if you can find some kind of a catalyst that plays into the sort of the the, the b options um Prospects, then I mean that can give you a better idea of whether it's something to invest in, and then just understanding the basic valuation. I mean, understanding that a low stock price doesn't mean it's necessarily cheap or expensive. Um, You know, we we look at a stock like Markel Insurance, for example, you know, five hundred and fifty dollars or something like that. We could actually make the argument that that stock is pretty cheap today. Um, It just doesn't look so on an absolute basis.
0: Taylor, when you look at the energy industry, are there poor man players out there, or just using yourself? When you're looking at different industries Mm -hmm. when it comes to the energy market, where do you find your eyes gravitating?
2: For the poor men. Options in the energy industry, it's a lot riskier than I would say investing in a COSI because generally they're they're cheaper because they have unproven assets and, and that's a huge risk because if those aren't developed then the business is essentially defunct because you, they don't have that real estate to sell like a COSI might own some of its real estate um, it could rebrand or maybe try something to sell it off at a at a lower valuation but if these oil and gas companies Acreage is worthless; they're essentially worthless. So um, it's a bit riskier, I think, to to go after a struggling oil and gas company, uh, just just because of the fact that uh, these companies are are solely dedicated to what's in the ground. And if if it's not what they thought, then investors are, are left holding the buck.
0: Yeah, you mentioned the catalyst, Jason, and it seems like for some of them, under the right set of circumstances, the catalyst is we're struggling in our industry and we're going to get bought by a larger player within that industry but that also seems to be part of the risk as well.
1: Well, yeah, I mean that just because big names may get in there and pump a bunch of money behind a given company it doesn't necessarily mean that they're right either. Um I mean it was uh Bill Ackman I think for example who jumped in there and really uh, started making waves about J.C. Penny and trying to really push that. I mean, I guess you could How'd say. That Jay- go? Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming that's a rhetorical question, so I won't answer. But move, move along. um Yeah, I mean, I feel like that. You maybe J.C. Penny is sort of the poor man's version of a of a I don't know a Walmart or whatever it may be. But I mean, I, I think the point is though that. Um, you know, just because big names may get behind something, that does not make them right. I mean, BlackBerry, I think, is a great example of a of a poor man's sort of tech device. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, that's still just you know a company that's bleeding market share, not really putting up any new innovative products. And Prem Watts, uh, I think, with Fairfax Financial, is. You know, plunking a bunch of money behind that thing doesn't necessarily mean he's right. I mean, maybe his interests are a little bit uh, out of line with the individual investors. But uh, just the point is that you can you can always get big money behind those things that doesn't make them right.
0: Zach wraps up his email by asking, finally, have you visited the Cozy by full Global headquarters? If so, how much should personal experience play in making this kind of investment decision? Uh, that last one is, is I think, so important. Um, I'll just say, yes, I've been to that cozy. Where is it? <laughs> it's, it's, that, it's in Old Town. It's at the intersection of King and Washington okay. Street. So it is a pri- – yeah. in terms of traffic, yeah, no kidding. foot traffic and vehicle traffic, it is in a prime location, it is location which right. is um, maybe all the more sad that it is closing. Mm. Isn't um, there
1: one over at Reagan. International Airport? There's one, at, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hey, I, I've walked by it. I just have never been in it. Um,
0: so, But in terms of the personal experience, how much do you let that affect your investment thinking? Because I think when you're looking at consumer goods, I, I'll just use myself as an example. I know that when I'm, talk, when I'm looking at a consumer goods company, a retail company, and that sort of thing, that absolutely plays into my thinking, but I never let it be. The determining factor, whether it's good or bad, and I've yeah. gone in both directions, but I definitely want to see what it's like to, for the average customer to go into whether it's a Starbucks or a Chipotle or whatever. But I that's it. It never breaks a tie in my book.
2: I could see that it could break a tie in my book. I, I don't have any examples in my portfolio, but if you're if you're looking at two companies that you, you uh, a valuation basis or a management basis, you believe that they're on equal ground. Uh, If if the user experience is better for one, in my personal opinion, um, then I'm probably more inclined to go that route. Uh, Starbucks would maybe be one of those, but uh, that's a company that I actually invested in when I don't really enjoy the product. But I know the majority (laughs) of Americans do, so I'm going to trust them and hope that they keep spending their money there. But I think personal experience has a a lot to do with um, People's people's investing. I'm more in an energy investor myself, so I just by the nature of what I do here. Um, but if I branch out, then I take that into account.
0: You're not walking the grounds at an oil field. And <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, no, I'm not, I'm not tasting the oil. <laughs> Literally or, kicking or, the
0: rigs no, and uh, saying I
2: have like but sweet crude. <laughs> <laughs> that light sweet Louisiana crude. That's right, Jason. What about you? I,
1: you know, I, I I do take it into consideration. I don't let it be the the final uh, determinant. But I mean, I, I think that so Panera, I think, is a good example of one where. Um, I I had some concerns about like the throughput, the experience in the store. Um, that, that wasn't what forced me to sell the stock. But when I took that and combined it with the fact that I felt like the stock was overvalued at that point, and I felt like I had a better place to put that money, that was something that certainly entered into the decision-making process. Now, just like Taylor, I think Taylor made a great point there, too, with Starbucks in that also be able to separate yourself from a you know, an experience or product that maybe you don't use or maybe you don't like, but you also recognize the fact that other people do use it and do like it. I mean, you know, I, I think that you know, just because you don't like it or don't use it doesn't mean that it's not a good product. Maybe you don't use it, but, but you can also recognize the fact that maybe a lot of people do, and, and there could be a very healthy, uh, sustainable business there. So uh, either way, I think it's something that you should take into consideration, but don't let it make the ultimate decision for you.
0: Taylor Muckerman, Jason Moser, Guts, thanks for being here. Thank thanks. you, Chris.
1: As always, people on the program may have interest
0: in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. show is mixed by Anne Henry. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.